before the bloodbath begins, slither your way to the host's socials for the podcast slash Twitter at the BHO underscore podcast, Instagram at the Baron's Hideout underscore podcast, the stab to Aaron's accounts, Twitter at double AA row three, and Instagram at double AA row. Find the podcasts on your favorite apps and Patreon. Enjoy the slaying and try to stay alive. For the next period of time, strap in as the hosts rip and tear at the unsuspecting guests, in which they learn their dark secrets and methods of the genre. In this bloodbath, no one gets out alive. This is within the barracks. Welcome. I'm your host, Dustin, and uh, Aaron, unfortunately, today isn't able to join us. Um, but we have another episode of Within the Barrens. Welcome to the end of the world. <laughs> Our Within the Barrens segment. And uh, this is a really special one. Uh, we got an early preview of uh, Shudder's up-and-coming original revealer. And with us today, we have Luke Boyce, uh, Tom Seeley, and Michael Morrissey, the uh, creative crew of the movie that's going to be going on Shutter, It's uh, June 23rd, correct, guys? I think I said 23rd. Correct. So June 23rd. Yes. And um, these awesome folk, um, you guys pretty much all have a background, what it seems like in comics, which is awesome. Uh, I love comic books. Um, and you definitely bring uh, all the colors, um, storytelling, and just a creative world of the comic book world, I feel, to screen, which a lot of people don't really capture. And this movie, I feel, definitely does. Um, uh, since we had an early screening of this, I really want you guys to trust us on this and know that when this drops, you need to see it because it rocks. This is such an awesome movie. This, Thank you. The colors on it, the writing on it, the acting, it, it, it's amazing. Um, so the wow. first first question I have that I wanted to ask is, since there's a comic book tie-in to this, was the comic book already being written for this or was the movie being written and you guys decided to do a um a comic book tie-in for it mm. the comic book was way after the movie <laughs> way after <laughs> yeah way after because the movie just shot two years ago so oh wow i didn't realize it was it was that long ago so that's awesome well because covid you know yeah. made everything difficult for luke uh, so, <laughs> uh, Obviously, Mike and I have a background in comics, so we were, that was definitely something we, you know, we knew would probably be something we wanted to do when we got there, but we actually didn't really start the comic until, when did we start the comic, Mike, like a month ago, two months ago? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think, you know, I think the cool thing is what started, with, you know, Tim drew a, um, uh, what was supposed to be first like a a, a, a poster uh, or a promotional item or something like that yep. i think we all saw that and we were like oh because tim writes as well as draws i think uh it's been a while since he's done it regularly uh and hopefully he gets back to it soon but um because he's awesome but like he drew this cover that's just awesome you know it's shana or i'm sorry i should say sally and uh <laughs> angie uh looking awesome uh in in the the tunnel underground and we were like oh this is a comic, you know? And um, so we just kind of, we just kind of went with it, but we didn't get started. Like Tim said, we didn't get started in earnest until really a few weeks ago. We did, we did bring up the comic on set. There was um, a few days where, where Michael was visiting the set. And I remember kind of just mentioning to him, I was like, Hey, what do you think about if we were to do a comic? I mean, it's you and Tim. I mean, would it be crazy not to make a comic here? And and Michael was immediately like, yes, yes, we should absolutely do that. We texted, I think Tim or called Tim, and he was like, yes. <laughs> that's, <laughs> so that's right. That was like that was the initial idea, and then I think it just sort of like naturally kind of slowly became what it became. Question of like, okay, what does that include? Um, you know, is it is it one story? Is it multiple stories? Is it one issue? Is it multiple issues? So it sort of just evolved from there, but yeah. That's and awesome. in true comic form, we had two years of lead time and blew it all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. 
Yeah, I I love comic books. I had to stop uh, collecting them because I was spending way too much money on them. But I've yep. been trying to get back into them. Um, I just actually did an interview with a, another fellow comic book artist, um, Jason Miller, who's over in the UK, uh, an independent artist who's really really cool. And um, I'm starting to get all his stuff. And now, once you guys put the um, the cover of the first issue on, I was like, this is awesome and that's when i reached out and then that's, that's when michael messaged me it was like hey dude and i was like yeah if you guys want to come on and talk about this let's do it and you guys gave me the okay to, to watch this really awesome film um which i think i don't know if any of you would agree but with the storytelling of it we know like good versus evil sinner versus saint and everything i really believe that this is pushing a lot of boundaries that films aren't really doing right now you know, with the with the whole dialogue of you know, uh, uh, the saint who's outside, like saying, "Oh, I'm gonna be like you know, good and, and whatnot, and I'm gonna be able to move on," while uh, you know, the sinner is just like, "Nah, like well, I don't really care about any of that stuff. Like life's life." So, um, that's what I think. I really think it is pushing some sort of boundary. So, I wanted to know if you guys were thinking the same. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Tim, go ahead. I mean, I, I think you know we wrote when we worked on this two years ago. We could kind of see the rise. I mean, it was obviously there, but the sort of evangelical fervor that has been going on for a while, and and how much that mirrored the '80s um, satanic panic and, and this, you know, some of these same people. But I do think in film, there's not a lot of, you know, especially big budget movies. You don't do a lot of like overt critiques of religion, and especially not Christianity. So, um, you know, so I we kind of felt like, well, we can do it here because it's a little horror movie and we're frustrated and we can also deal with something that we've all lived through, which was that satanic panic area. And Luke has a lot of experience with growing up with uh, evangelical faith. And, and, uh, and for Mike and I, I think it's just, we're just really annoyed by it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm just kind of annoyed. Like, and I'm sure Luke can speak to this more eloquently and in more depth, but like, I think the things that we were looking at as well was just like our, you know, a lot of movies about judgment and just our very judgmental culture and, and the way that it's, you know, the idea of moralism gets tackled in art, uh, whether it be comics or film, it's just a lot of like finger wagging and being like, Ooh, these things are bad and you're wrong if you're bad, you know, it's all this stuff and it's very low hanging fruit. Um, and we like to kind of like, you know, I know Tim and I in our work together and individually, like, you know, life is, complicated and messy and even moralism is complicated and messy and doing the right thing and these are these are difficult things and we wanted to kind of present the idea that like judging especially judging people from afar and not knowing anything about them is not really a good thing (laughs) Um, and um, and like you know these these things that we're talking about are are complex they're 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 deeper than uh 140 character counter where other shit you get on twitter and um we kind of want to show that messiness of, of what moralism and judgment and, and acceptance of people really looks like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, like Tim said, I grew up, um, I grew up very evangelical um, my whole life. Um, small town, central Illinois. Um, you know, we were, we were very active in our non-denominational church, which, which was very rapture based. Um and so a lot of this was very familiar to me. Um, you know, I was directly impacted by the satan- satanic panic of the of the 80s. And so, you know, uh, since then, I'm, I'm, I'm no longer religious. Um, I've kind of done sort of a 180 on it. But, you know, most of my family still is. And, and I, I deal with that on a daily basis. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. You know, I think, I think there's a world where social media is training us to ignore nuance and to ignore human complexity. You know, it's just, it's training us to put people in very small boxes and, and it's very easy when, 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 you know, what we're constantly doing on social media is moralizing. Um, You know, that requires you to put yourself in a higher place than someone else. And I think, I'm not saying that there's not, there's not situations, there's political situations, especially we're dealing with now where you have to take a stand. And I think that that's important. I also think it's important that, um, you know, I think the biggest thing um, in in this world, there's, there's a great, this American life story. I can't remember the exact title of it, but they, they talk about how 
the most important thing you can do as a human is have experiences with other humans so that you can understand other humans and especially humans who have not all the exact same ideas as you, the exact same thoughts. And I think that's what Revealer is about. Revealer is about two people who have no choice but to experience something bad together. They're two people who are on the opposite spectrums of ideology and they discover through the process what they have in common. They discover their humanity which is the same um, when they're put in the same process. And I don't see a lot of content like that out there. Um, me either. And so, so yeah, I, I think you're right. I think that that's, that's, that's what drew me, especially to the script that Tim and Mike wrote. Yeah, and, and that's what I really like about it too, is just because it's, it feels fresh. It doesn't feel like it's something that's already been done. I mean, there's probably been movies out there that have done stuff, not like the exact thing that's going on in here but you know like good versus evil in the way that it's being told here um it does feel really refreshing um and i i have to say that the lighting design in this (laughs) film is so good so was that um i know you guys said that the comic was like you know kind of already planned like a couple months ago but was the lighting design like all colorful like that because you guys wanted to do something that was like a little bit like a comic book, but without really, you know, planning on actually doing one now that you guys are? No, I think it's probably just our collective uh, interests and, you know, like me, Mike and Tim all sort of like the same things. Um, we're all thing. children <laughs> of the 80s. So, you know, and, and I think that there's, um, you know, it's interesting that that ever since uh, digital coloring and film became a thing back with, um, I think the first film was um, um, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? It was like the first film. That, that film kind of has this very sepia tone, right? Yep. And then you kind of get, you kind of get into the Matrix world of the, you know, the early 2000s, which is all very green or very blue. Gray. <laughs> yeah. Right. And that's, that's evolved into just mostly gray slabs of, you know, stuff. I mean, you could look at something like um, the most recent Harry Potter movie, the Dumbledore movie, and it's just shades of gray. And I think like, you know, it's, it's, I don't know, color is pretty cool. Yeah, it is. I think it it's really pretty is. great. So it's like, you know, a little bit of that was just sort of fighting against this sort of um, modern tendency to sort of, I think what it is, is that um, so, so the digital revolution is still sort of, it's almost like we're working through how we want digital to look like film, but digital doesn't take light in the way film does. And so a lot of people are still trying to figure out what are the limitations of that? If we get too colorful, does it look too much like video? So there's been a trend over the past 10 years, essentially, to, to mute everything so that it feels more cinematic. Um, and that's, I think, just us trying to understand the limitations of the technology, because we're still sort of early in digital days. Uh, so a lot of this is just sort of saying, you know, kind of pushing against that and saying, no, I think, and I think other people are doing this. I think recent films are starting to show this as well. We can include color, like variations of color. And that's, you know, we had the benefit and revealer of the fact that this is um, number one, the eighties. So, you know, you want to throw in some of that color, you know, and then we, we were like, well, we're in a, we're in a peep show booth. So the great thing about these peep show booths is that they're small stages and we can light them like stages. We can give them theatrical lighting because that's what they are. They're tiny little theaters behind a glass, uh, you know, barrier. Um, so that was like, you know, we kind of got, we got to play a little bit more in that sandbox. And I remember talking to Robert Stern, my, my cinematographer, and we had, we had ideas of just like splashing every color under the rainbow in this thing. And we kind of, we slowly kind of pulled back on that and kind of really focused on this sort of bisexual lighting, uh, as they call it with sort of the, the pinks and the blues and that, and it just really felt really strong, but, um, we definitely wanted to, we definitely wanted to play with color. I just think it's it's more interesting. It's more fun to watch. Exactly. And the col- the color palette they're using is actually my favorite color palette too. So I guess that's another reason why I really like this film because it, I, I always <laughs> thought that, you know, blues, purples, and, and the reds that are being used in here always blended so well and films don't use it enough. They don't. Uh, You've got a little peep show 
going on behind you. Yeah, right yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I tried to match it as best as I can for it, just for you guys. Yeah. Um, so I guess this is a question for Tim and, and Michael. Uh, since you guys, you know, are in the background of, of comics and write storylines and, and draw and all that stuff. So when you were doing the screenwriting for this, were you doing it more in like a comic book styled way? Or were you breaking out and trying to do it more in a cinematic way? I've always found that really intriguing when like comic book artists and writers go to do film and how they approach that. Like if they do like a full storyboard, like as it's like it's a comic, or if it's um or if you break out and do it more like a cinematic writer. Well, we had we had a we had very little time, <laughs> <laughs> so that's one of the things that uh, you know I, I I can see a world where uh, Tim does do storyboards. I think and I think he'd be marvelous at it. I have no doubt in my mind. Um, unfortunately, yeah, I teach it at Columbia. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh yeah, you are pretty good. <laughs> see, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, but unfortunately, with time limitations, no, we didn't get a chance to do that kind of. St- that kind of depth of stuff. But like, I think for Tim and I, and I, and Tim obviously can say, you know, you know, his, his take on this as well. But like, I really think that, you know, Tim and I both love, love movies. And personally, I went to film school. I, you know, I didn't like many colleges I went to, I didn't finish, uh, <laughs> but I went and um, I, um, I made short films and this is what I wanted to do. And um, you know, one thing led to another night and it, I did it until now. But like, the thing is, is that like, I do have that background in cinema and I love movies. Tim loves movies. He like all of us, you know, to combine, watch more movies than anybody on earth. Um, and when we wanted to take this approach, like, I didn't think we wanted to make, like there's comic book elements to it and that's undeniable. And I don't know how we would ever make a movie that didn't have that. And I'm proud of that, but I didn't think we wanted to take that like pure, like, let's, let's, put you know a comic book through through this kind of grinder and see what get a movie to come out on the other end you know i think we we had our sights firmly set on making it a cinematic experience you know and that you know extends to luke as well like we like we were just talking about with the lighting and many other clever and creative and brilliant things that he and, and rob did together um but that was our goal you know and that was our goal and i think this you know is a testament also to like what we were talking about earlier like we wanted to we want to do stuff that we don't see, you know, like we have this, I don't know, maybe once in a lifetime opportunity. We all want to do it again. Will we? I don't know. You know, I, I, I can't see that future. I want to, but like, if we're going to do it just once, it's like, I think we want to take as big of a swing as we could and make a big movie and do things that we didn't see being done and, and break some unwritten rules that cinema is kind of like locked in like gray and like it's all gonna be realism and you know like it's all gotta be this type of morality and this type of message and we're kind of saying no to that and we're gonna use the tools of cinema that we love and we're gonna do something different and i think um actually i know i'm really proud of that i'm really glad that that's the route that we took awesome amen and i think our process on it too was just because mike and i worked together on it so it was you know the 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 default was well let's write this kind of how we would write a comic but we were using final draft and we were using you know we we did it like you're supposed to (laughs) (laughs) but you know i i i do think there's a if there's anything i kind of learned about it was when we talked to the producers afterwards um they were kind of shocked at like you know how quickly we were able to do it and how efficiently we were able to do it and how we didn't really argue uh when we were working on it or how we didn't fight against notes and we're like yeah because we're comic book writers so, <laughs> uh, you know for us it's you get a script done it's 22 pages a week no matter what and you know so there's a training that goes with that i think really helped us to do this in a limited amount of time with limited resources because we're we're just really really used to that and i guess that kind of goes into another thing i wanted to ask is um what was your budget for this film um you guys seem like you were the you no know, uh, low amount of resources. It seems like you guys probably had a lower budget on this. Oh yeah, very low. I don't know. I don't know if I'm at liberty to say what the exact budget is. Um, I can tell you that it it's definitely under, uh, well under five hundred thousand. Um, wow, wow, good on you guys for for doing this beautifully written and directed film. Oh, thank you. I've watched it um, with the link that you guys sent me. I think I've watched it about three times. And each time <laughs> wow, I'm, nice. I'm finding new things that I'm loving. 
uh just oh, just how everything kind of just like falls into place and you know the pacing of it also is really good it's it doesn't like drag on at all it's always pushing itself forward um and once you know you, you get the two characters together and things start like really amping up and then you 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 get like you know all like the quote-unquote holy things coming down trying to you know smite them and whatnot it's really <laughs> really really fun and um oh man I, I really do uh, appreciate what you guys did. And <laughs> I was laughing a, a lot at this. So I'm I'm very curious as to whose idea it was to put this in, but the chud Tim. reference. <laughs> Tim. Uh, I knew it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Chud? Oh, yes. People are going to like this film. <laughs> well, part of the thing we were working on was that um, because it's set in 1987, I was trying to think, of, I was 10 in 1987. And that was a big year for me that summer specifically because I had my appendix taken out because I, oh. um, it, but it was also the summer. So that particular summer I was, came with my family. We were supposed to come back and see the masters of the universe movie that came out that summer <laughs> in the theater. I got sick. I had to go to hospital I had a week. And I was like, just going out of my mind that people were seeing the He-Man movie. Uh, and then, because I was like, what if I can't get tickets? And that, of course it was a huge bomb and no one went to see it. <laughs> <laughs> But I recall, like, the other thing I remember about that was that um, uh, while I was in the, the hospital, you know, my dad would get tapes of stuff that his friends had gotten for him taped off HBO. So it would always be like a comedy special, you know, and then Chud. And then, like, it was like stuff that they played constantly at HBO. So that's, we were referencing stuff that, like, felt very 1987 to us. And like Louis was, Anderson. Chud and used cars on one day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or was like Eddie Murphy and like uh, you know Rodney Dangerfield, and then always like a bunch of horror movies that kind of you know the, I think the stuff might have been on those tapes. I just remember like oh, that the stuff is great. Um, but it was just like a very specific. That's why I said in 1987 because I had so many memories of that summer, not for the same reasons uh, that are shown in the movie when the world ends, but. Um, you know, it's it seemed like the end of the world to me at that moment because I was not going to see Dolph Lundgren beat up Frank Langella in the, in the theater, uh, but I did, and no one was there except for me and my family. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, as soon as I heard that, I was I was laughing so hard. I was like, "This is great!" Like they they know exactly what they're doing, and the music too throughout this whole film. Like Alex does a really really good job. I mean, I loved oh, yeah. all he did on like Scare Package as well. So I'm very interested to know if you guys are going to plan on doing like a, a soundtrack release of any sort for this, because I'll buy the hell out of that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or... so we've got a couple. So I can't say anything. I don't know. Well, I don't know what I can say. There, there yeah, will be. If, if, if it's risky, don't don't worry about it. <laughs> no, no, no. There, I, here's what I'll say. There will be a soundtrack. We're actually planning a couple different things. So there will be hopefully soon before the release we'll have a we'll have a special announcement in terms of the music and then there will also be a i believe there will be a, a vinyl soundtrack oh my the- god yes thank yeah. you <laughs> yeah uh, i mean i i'm a i'm a huge horror vinyl collector myself same. so it's like yeah same. gotta it's, have this i get you know it's my movie i get to say right yeah <laughs> so um but yeah no that's i alex was um you know alex was amazing amazing to work with just did a phenomenal job it was so much fun working with them and then and then yeah we had some we had some really cool um um uh, situations in the film where we got to use music from the band gunship which we're all really big fans of tim and i are huge huge mega fans um and uh we reached out to their management early on like literally before we started uh shooting to talk about the possibility of of um working with them for the film and uh they were they were super into it right away so that was a huge deal for us and then we even have um original music in the film and it was fun because you know with a lot of these 80s movies there's always like especially if you you look you know right now is perfect uh example with stranger things and the kate bush song right like so there's always these everyone expects needle drops in 80s movies like oh this is the 80s so we have to put every 80s song that you know in this to make <laughs> you know it's the 80s um i didn't really want to do that partly because there's no way we'd have the money to do that <laughs> i mean those yeah. things cost a pretty penny um uh but then on top of that i thought you know with gunship i'm a huge huge synthwave 
fan. So a lot of that sort of sensibility of the blue and the pink and stuff comes from sort of that sort of niche genre. So I really wanted to sort of pay homage to that just in the sense of like, I love that there's this, we live in this world where a lot of people are making content that just sort of evokes the eighties. It's not exactly directly that, but like synthwave being this genre of film that isn't, it's not actually inspired by music of the eighties. It's actually inspired by movies, specifically movies and video games of the eighties. And so I thought it would be a really cool thing to make a kind of synthwave horror that sort of like followed that same idea sort of evokes it evokes the time period, but is not of it's not exactly of that time period. Yeah. And it's great. I love everything that plays in it. Even just like the nuance in the background that's going on. Yeah. Everything is so well done in this film. And um I want to see more stuff from you guys. So I really, really hope that after the comic books are done and everything, that you're like, hey, let's go do another badass film. Um <laughs> oh, we have every intention, trust me. <laughs> And uh, another question I have for the comics, if you guys can say, is um, is it going to be a continuation of the film or is it going to be more stuff like before, like what, what happens before this film? Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's kind of all of those things, right? It's like stories we couldn't tell, basically, right? Because obviously somewhat of a limited budget. So um, we split up the stories. It's like an anthology, which allows us to each do different sort of things in different styles, which was a big thing for us, obviously, too. Just, you know, some of them more slice of life, some of them are more horror, some of them are, one of them is like a big cosmic superhero thing. Awesome. So it allows us to do all kinds of stuff. I'm excited for that a lot. <laughs> um, when When is the uh, the comic coming out? It's in the summer, right? August, yeah. August? Oh, okay, yeah. awesome. So I'm definitely going to be keeping my eye on that, and hopefully everybody listening... Yep. We'll be keeping an eye out for that because even the cover, like I have it up on screen right now, and <laughs> just looking at it, I want it right now because it looks so badass. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. Nice. Uh, <laughs> original art for it the other day. So. Oh, that's so sick. Yeah, it's uh, absolutely, absolutely obsessed with it. So. You guys, are, you guys are doing wonders over here, really. Um, <laughs> another thing that I'm kind of like getting off of this. I don't know if it was if was like an inspiration or maybe you guys didn't even think of it but i get a little bit of like night of the comic vibes from this oh nice and um i like that a lot so i didn't know if, if you guys had like inspiration on that or if you didn't even realize that that was even a, a part of this film what what was the inspiration um none of the comet uh the movie night of the comet i get um oh night like of the little, comet. yeah night of the comet i get a little bit of a uh an inspiration like a, a vibe from that that film in, in this one so i don't know if any of you had an inspiration of that going into this film i love that fucking movie but we didn't think of that one i don't yeah, think it's a great movie <laughs> yeah I mean, no, I think, great I, you know I, I think that yeah probably subconsciously there's that i think we definitely um you know we were very much inspired by and especially me tim and mike have all talked in different points about you know, our love of especially 80s, early 90s horror comedy, especially, you know, just sort of like the the risks that are taken, you know, especially mid to late 80s with horror, um, you know, sort of the the sense of not of being earnest, not necessarily taking everything so seriously, but also still being very earnest about everything. So I think there's a lot of there's quite a lot of different um, influences that I think that draw into the film. Like my, like Tim said, I don't know if Night of the Comet would, was one that I, I, I had specifically, but thinking back on it, I'd be like, oh, hell yeah, I love that yeah. movie too. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. Because uh, that was like one of the things that I, especially when she's walking to like the, the phone booth, just how everything looked outside. Yeah. It gave me such uh, such a vibe of that. And even yeah. like the costume design is really on point too. So props to um, everybody who was working in that department because uh, they definitely nailed it. And yeah, also... That was, um... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Nope, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, uh, I was going to shout out to, to Hallie Sharp, uh, who is our costume designer. And actually, I, honestly, shout out to everybody on the crew because uh, so, so we basically did this movie right sort of in the middle of quarantine and nobody had worked and we didn't know how to make a COVID production. There was no set standards yet. So this is 2020. Um, and so we basically shrunk our crew down and, um, and 
we had about 20 people on the crew. That was it. So everybody had to do multiple jobs. So Hallie, for instance, she was our costume designer and our script supervisor. And like other people are like, you know, doing multiple jobs at once. So the whole crew, we, we basically quarantined together. Nobody left. We were either in a hotel <laughs> or we were on set. And so this whole entire movie was made on one single set in an old warehouse. Um, so that's it. Like we were just a night and day, not, you know, I didn't see my family for a month. I was quarantined with everybody else. Um, you know, we, we tested three times a week, multiple times. It was pretty strict. So, you know, honestly, just, um, you know, everyone did a phenomenal job under these circumstances, but everyone was, just, you know, I think it, it built this really strong family environment as well. Like everyone was really passionate about the project. Um, so yeah, so, so Hallie did an amazing job. Everyone else did an amazing job as well. Everyone worked really hard under very difficult circumstances. That's awesome. And also, you know, like Cato and, um, Shana, they did yes. really, really good jobs too. So, how was it like working yeah. with them? Because they, they are phenomenal on screen. I need to see more yeah. of their works. I went to look on the IMDb, and it didn't look like they have a lot underneath their belt. So, I really hope this gets them some more jobs because they, they're oh, really, yeah. really good. So, this is Shana's first feature, um, which is amazing to me. She's so good. Uh, since then, she will be in Scare Package too. Yes. Um, this was Kato's second feature, but since then she will be in uh, Black Mold, which is produced and made by quite a lot of the same people that made this film. Awesome. Um, directed by John Pata, who also was our post supervisor. So, um, yeah, we you know we uh, we had an amazing casting director, um, Sarah Casey, who um, you know got us a lot of of audition tapes of people who are desperate to work. It was pretty <laughs> surprising. Um, but both Shana and Cato, they were immediates for me. You know, we saw, we saw their tapes and there's just something, something special about them. And we actually didn't know until they got on set and that I actually, for the first time got to talk to them, that they actually knew each other. They're both from the Chicago um, theater scene. Um, wow. Yeah, Shane has been in a lot of productions. Kato has been in a lot of productions. Kato also does um, burlesque um, regular regularly, burlesque and circus burlesque. So, um, and we can talk about that later. She did the whole dance sequence in there and choreographed that. But they they had an amazing chemistry um, immediately, and and were just in, just the most fun people in the world to work with. I can't wait till we are able to show some of the behind the scenes stuff because. Oh yeah. I have so much video of them goofing around and being just insanely delightful. That's awesome. They they definitely did a great job. So um, let them know that I said that they were really good. Oh, <laughs> and I really we're do want to see uh, them in more films. <laughs> yeah, we're doing the, they're actually, we're recording the their commentary track tomorrow, in fact. Oh, that's awesome. Back. Awesome. Um, so even like um, the creature design too, and like, you know, all the slugs and everything were really, really cool. So obviously there was um, some CGI that was used in here, but was there a lot of, um, you know, practical stuff being used as well with the slugs? Did you have like one or two that were like on set or, or were they all just um, digitally um, in there? No, the, the original intention was for it to be entirely uh, practical. Oh, really? Yeah. We didn't know with our budget being so low, we didn't know that we would have the benefit of CG. Um, and we were kind of like, well, it's an 80s film. We're going to try to make it as much like an 80s film as we can and have all these practical effects. The problem with that was that we, we, because we had such a small crew, I mean, we, really only, we, didn't, we really didn't have like a dedicated effects crew. We, did, like, like we had Brian Zurich was our main effects guy who designed the creature, designed the snakes and everything like that. Um, and he had, a, he had a helper for, for a little bit, but for the most part, he was by himself. So there's the, you know, the, there's the one scene where the snake is crawling on, on Sally that was puppeteered by three people. Um, there was like, uh, Brian was one, Sarah, our art director was another, get a couple more people, just people kind of like doing stuff. So, um, you know, what we found was that, um, you know, after we got it into editing, you know, we kind of came, we had a situation where we, we had a couple people come on board that, um, really kind of offered amazingly offered this, this CG help, um, digital help. And we kind of had this 
great, amazing opportunity to sort of augment some of the stuff that wasn't quite working as well as we wanted it to, just because we had a very short amount of time. We shot this in 13 days. That's so that's, you know, not very much time to do, especially if you're doing gags and doing effects gags. I mean, effects gags basically take a whole day more or less. So, so yeah, so we intended to do as much practical as we can. So it's a mix. It's a mix of both. We definitely had like three or four uh, practical snakes um, that on set and stuff like that. Um, But then it was augmented a little bit later. Awesome. Um, who uh, designed um, everything before it was, uh, you know, obviously made? Was it uh, was it Tim or Michael, or was it your special effects crew? Um, it was uh, the stuff that you see on screen was was our special was Brian Zurich was the one who designed it. Um, so he gets all the credit on that. I mean, we did sort of, you know, we kind of bounced around some ideas um, in terms of of the creatures and stuff. I know I remember Tim kind of drew something. I kind of drew something initially, but eventually. We just didn't have enough time. Um, I didn't even really see the full thing until we got onto set and pre-production. So, so yeah, a lot of this stuff was pretty quick. I mean, I don't know if they mentioned, but Tim and Mike wrote it in about eight days. You know, the whole process, we started talking about doing this in May and we were shooting by the end of July. So that is, that is really, really, really phenomenal (laughs) for the (laughs) amount of time that you guys had. And I imagine, um, Tim and Michael, you guys must have went through a couple of rewrites for this before. Obviously, it was the way that you wanted it to. But um, overall, I think it's perfect. And uh, oh, if, wow. if I had to ask you guys, we'll, we'll go on one by one. We'll start with Luke. Um, do you have a, a favorite scene in the film? Like it, when you watch it, like, yeah, this was great and it came out perfect. Yeah, I do. I Obviously, the whole movie, I, I it's my favorite. Um, I love <laughs> it. But if I had to pick. <laughs> yeah. If I had to pick a favorite scene, I, I just love the scene where right before Sally and Angie are going to split up, um, there's just a really heartfelt moment where Sally wants to go one way, Angie wants to go one way, and Sa- and, and Sally ends up giving her her shoes because Angie is shoeless at this point. This is in, in the tunnels. Um, I love that scene. I love how it's acted. I love everything about it. And there's this, it's a really special scene uh, because I think it's the moment in the film where we really get to see um, this really great part of Sally, this character, this, you know, Christian zealot who most people have been annoyed with most of this time, but we really get to see her sort of show, put her, her beliefs into action. And I think sort of, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a really touching scene for me. So I I would probably say that's my, my favorite. Awesome. Uh, How about you, Tim? Uh, it's also a Sally scene where she um, basically sort of reveals herself and she's, uh, she tells uh, Cato uh, how she feels, but then she feels really betrayed because she doesn't want that. She said, you know, I didn't want, do you think I asked for it? I didn't want it. And she just, I don't, she acts the shit out of it and it's so sad. And yeah. yeah, I think I'm where Luke is. And I think we, you know, the, the hardest part of the movie is to make the character that you, I don't like those kind of people. And uh, I based this character off someone I did not like, but, um, <laughs> but the character, you know, has to be someone that we relate to. And that's the moment I think for me that it's like, Oh yeah. You know, that's a, that's a real person. And the Shana Cato uh, chemistry we talked about is so evident there. That's, that's, you know, everything about it is, is like, it's like elevated. The most of the movie is kind of schlocky and on purpose. Cause we love schlock, but that's like where that's a little bit of elevated uh, scene there. I think. Yeah. But how about you, Michael? Um, you know, I, I kind of have the counter to to Tim's and I can easily pick that one as well. I can I mean I could pick many. Um, but the there's two scenes I think are mirrors of each other. Uh, when you know Tim mentions uh Shayna or Sally scene, um, there's the one with Angie where she has her moment where she talks about David, who David is um you know um what their situation how david has you know come to her i don't want to reveal too much but um and you know i feel like and this is also kind of mirrors what luke was saying too like i feel like that was a great table setter for the movie even though it comes kind of later and we 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 flirt with these kind of conversations and and moments but like it is a table setter in the sense of like we are going to going back to what i was saying earlier we're going to some cinematic stuff that we see 
And we're gonna let people, we're gonna let our characters talk. You're just gonna let them have dialogue. That's, that's, or not even dialogue. I mean, almost a soliloquy, you know, it's almost as if Shana's not around, you know, you can almost say that, but like, we're just gonna let them have these moments or they just talk, you know, and they, you know, reveal things about themselves. Yeah. Um, and we're not going to under, undercut it with a, with a, with a pun or a joke, you know, which so many movies do. You can you only have so much, you know, earnestness or heartfulness, then you got to go right to a quip, you know, to, to like underscore, you know, undermine everything you just did. We're not going to do that. We're just going to let this genuine thing happen. And Shana Sally reacts genuinely about her life and, she understands Angie a little bit better and it makes her feel bad about herself and that together they're going to share this moment and then they're going to, you know, move on to the next kind of obstacle, which is inherent in screenwriting and any storytelling. It's one obstacle and one problem after another. We're going to fill the spaces in between with these moments. And I think that moment, not only is Angie, uh, or I'm sorry, Cato, uh, brilliant in it. And she won best actress at panic fest. And I think you see it in that yeah. scene, so many others, but like, um, it's just a really nice moment that I feel like it, it speaks to what our attempts, um, how much success we were able to cultivate. Um, it speaks to the attempts we are at least trying, we're going after in, in this film. Yeah. And, um, I can agree. I think, um, my, that would definitely be my favorite scene too, with, uh, you know, with them kind of like revealing themselves and really starting to come together because, um, I mean that's what the whole movie really is about. At the end of the day, I mean it's it's in it's in the title, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and um, it, it definitely works towards it, especially all the way till the end. Um, they they always start to group. Like I don't want to say too much. I don't want to spoil anything or you know say anything that I, I shouldn't be saying right now because the movie <laughs> isn't out yet. But um, yeah, there's a lot of really good dialogue throughout this whole film. Um. And nothing really seems forced, and, and I appreciate that a lot, because you see that sometimes, especially nowadays, there's a lot of dialogue that seems kind of forced. And um, with the way that this movie goes, it, it flows really good. The uh, whole pacing of it is is really, really good. The dialogue um, you know, really complements that, and how they kind of go through all these steps. And, they, and where they end up and, you know, when they start, you know, revealing more things about themselves. And at the end, you know, it kind of, you know, gets revealed of like what's what's going to happen and how they are. It's really, really powerful. And I really do think this is going to be uh, a film that a lot of people are going to, uh, you know, see maybe them themselves in or relate to it even more and you now kind of rethink things. Because this movie definitely made me think a little bit about people that I, I have in my life um, and being like, maybe I really should, you know, give them a little bit of a chance and see what's going on. So I really do appreciate everything that um, every, everybody who worked on this film, especially um, you three for what you did with this, because it, it's really powerful. And I, looking at the title and looking at, you know, the covers, you might not think that you can like, oh, this is just going to be like a, a hack and slash, you know, slashers. But it kind of looks like in a way, just because of the, the way that, um, you know, the colors are and, and everything and just even the title, because everything's really sharp on it. But it's not. It, it's very sentimental and really down to earth at the end of the day. And, and it's all about um, people coming together to, you know, kind of conquer this one thing. So good job on you guys. Thank you. And I, I have to, Thank I have you. to sing Tim and Mike's praises, especially following up on that, because I think just like you said, um, both of them and Mike and I have had this conversation many times, but as writers, they, you know, they're all about saying saying what you know this is about i mean not being shy i mean a lot of a lot of artists especially modern film artists want to be as subtle as humanly possible and i actually think i don't think i think it's better when you really are are open about what what you feel what the characters feel what the movie is about mm. and i think there's a lot of credit that goes to those two because that's the hardest thing to do you know a lot of people are more subtle because it's hard to be not subtle and not sound forced, like you said. Um, and so, you know, huge, huge props to, to these guys for being able to do that. You know, I think, I think a lot of that comes from comics where you don't have, you know, the benefit of subtlety as much. Um, for but sure. for them to then take that and put it in a film and like you said, not have it feel forced or, you know, anything like that. I think that's a huge, massive, massive talent. So. 
So yeah, thank you, man. seriously, thank you. thank you, thank you guys for doing this. And I know you, um, some of you have to run soon, so I'm gonna we'll end this really, really quick. I have one last question. It's kind of a fun one. Um, so we'll start. We'll start with Luke, and we'll just do. Um, what is your favorite horror movie? And we'll just go around table on that. If you had to pick one that you could watch every day. <laughs> oh boy. If I had to pick one, I would say probably, oh, that's really hard. Um, <laughs> yeah, my mood changes so much, but I probably would have to pick Hellraiser. That, um, wow. I don't hear that yeah. one a lot. <laughs> that's, I, I, you know, believe it or not, it's one of the first horror movies I saw when I really started getting in high school. I started getting bold enough to actually watch, you know, modern horror um but i love similar to to revealer i love single location horror i love that that movie so much happens in that movie and it's all in a house yeah right (laughs) like it's almost entirely in a house and and it's just the designs are absolutely incredible um i think the effects are incredible there's some of my absolute favorite uh effect scenes ever in any of uh, in all of film happen in that film um character wise i just i just think it's it's absolutely a masterpiece it's a perfect film for me yeah i agree on that uh what about you tim uh lost boys i think (laughs) that's another one i don't really hear a lot of okay you guys are pulling some out it's it's super smart it's super funny it's sexy it's weird it's subversive and it i think people sometimes forget because everything that's come after it is obviously influenced it how much it changes about vampires when that movie's come out because they're, you know, like they, they played it as it's like fun and cool. And these are the punk rock kids. And, um, but it's also just like, a, it's a hilarious movie. It has a lot of, uh, you know, just real genuine heartfelt shit in it. So uh, yeah, that one is probably overall, uh, it beats out the other one, which, you know, sometimes kind of gets close to it, uh, which is Evil Dead 2. Okay, uh, there you go. Which is way <laughs> up there. But, um, but yeah, Lost Boys, uh, for now, that's my favorite. All right. What about you, Michael? uh yeah so i'm I'm probably gonna have i'm guessing i'm probably gonna have the most conventional pick and there's there's a lot of contenders but back (laughs) against the wall i'm gonna go with uh james will frankenstein the original frankenstein the original sound frankenstein rather um yeah i mean i'm a huge universal monster fan that's my my probably my favorite i got the wolfman back here i see that i saw (laughs) that it's amazing man it's fantastic um but yeah, no, I, I just, you know, like I said, I, I, I love, I love the Universal Monster movies. I can talk about those for hours and hours. But, you know, Frankenstein is the one, you know, I've watched it since I was a kid uh, and it stayed with me my whole life. I watch it at least once a year, probably more. Um, and, you know, I can't say it more eloquently than, than Guillermo del Toro when he said, you know, it's the movie that taught him about the, the monster and the man and the man and the monster. Yep. And that's something, I mean, hell, that, that extends to Revealer, you know, that there is a human in Sally, that there is, dar- you know, a darker side to Angie. There is, there's, there's both, you know, and like these really complex ideas of like, you know, I didn't really get it, obviously, when I was a kid, but the ending of like, you know, Frankenstein throwing the girl in the water why because nobody taught him anything because he yep. was learned from her that you throw pretty things into the water and that's that's what you do and it's and it's tragic and then the way the town reacts there's so much complexity and nuance and you know extends with bride of frankenstein which is which is equally as brilliant um but i just love i learned every time i watched i learned so much i enjoy it so much and i learned so much and i feel like eh, not only out of pure love of it but it's also like I feel like it's taught me as much about how to handle nuance. I mean, hell, that was 1931, if I'm not mistaken, 1931. That thing had more complexities than 99% of movies that we get every year in 2022, you know? And it was entertaining as hell. It's just super entertaining. And the creature design, I mean, God, Boris Karlov and Clive, and, you know, like, there's just great cast. There's so many just amazing things that you can just revel in that movie. It's like 62 minutes long. Yeah, that's a, that's a good film. All the movies that you guys said are really good. Uh, <laughs> mine uh, is probably um, you know going to line with a lot of other people. Is I, I love. It's also the first uh, horror movie that I remember seeing is uh, 1970 Halloween, and I have uh, like, all yeah. of the Michael masks behind me. And I'm a, I love slashers. I, I love them. I, I love 
seeing gore and people being blown up and stuff. And it's <laughs> super fun. Uh, so yeah, that's definitely my favorite. But all the ones that you uh, all listed are definitely really good, good movies to watch. Um, also, Dracula from back then is one of my favorites as well. Um, yeah, oh, yeah, that was awesome. So uh, I don't think I have any other questions. Uh, if you have any last minute things you guys want to say to uh, anybody who's going to be listening to this, or you know, any announcements for things that maybe I didn't touch on that you uh, want to run through, uh, you guys have the floor. Uh, check out if you like slasher stuff. Check out Hack Slash, my horror comic about slashers. If you like our yeah. movie, you should read our comics. We hope uh, you do so. All right. Oh, yeah. 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 And watch Revealer, June 23rd. Yes. Yeah, midnight. Whatever midnight is for you, 1201. <laughs> go to Shutter, log on, create multiple accounts. Yes. Yeah, so watch it. <laughs> watch it. Watch it. Watch it. Um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess another thing too, um, I can ask that I didn't even think of. Uh, last one is because sometimes Shutter does like f- physical releases of these. Are you guys gonna do um, any physical media for for the movie, or is it gonna be strictly streaming? No, we are. We 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 will have a Blu-ray release. I don't know when. Awesome. I don't know the details of that. We're working it out right now. But but yeah, our deal with Shutter does include does include a physical release. So I uh, know I'll be picking that up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes, stream and buy uh is what i will say for sure we're a you know we're a small very very small independent uh film you know we don't have any stars in our film or anything like that so so we just appreciate the support of everyone like yourself yes. um you know thank you so much for having us on the show and you know we my just, pleasure you know, it's, it's we're humbled by how much you love the film and we hope that um we hope your listeners and watchers and, and everyone else in this community uh, also enjoys it. You know, we kind of made it for you. So yes, yeah. definitely do what Luke said, rent and well, stream and buy and maybe rent too. <laughs> Who knows? You know, maybe you can rent it from a friend. Just, you know, just <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, thank you guys for, for coming on. This was definitely thank a you. pleasure. I mean, this is our first, like, you know, first look at a movie ever. So this is a big oh, wow. uh, milestone for us too. So Thank you for um, you know giving us this opportunity to do that and and see this awesome film and you know tell everybody else about it and yeah June twenty uh, third please 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 watch this um, get your whole family to watch it uh, if they don't have a Shutter account make one for them and just put it on their TV <laughs> you know <laughs> go and do it and support everything that uh, Luke Tim and uh, Michael do and uh, you know they're on social media which I'll put all the links everything uh, in the description for all these so. Everybody can start following you and ask you a bunch of questions. Yeah, awesome. uh, thank you guys. Awesome. Thank you so you much for being here. Um, thank this you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So, uh, so this much. was the Baron's Hideout Podcast. I was your host, Dustin. And that was the creative crew of Revealer. So uh, thank you guys so much for listening. And we'll catch you next time. <laughs>